Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon shares a message entitled, A Win-Win Situation. It's the idea that we win when we choose to follow God. Listen as Brandon takes us from Genesis all the way to Revelation, pointing out the gospel throughout it all. All right. Well, if you'll find a seat, we're going we're gonna to get going here. Glad to see all of you here this morning. Glad you're, you're here to worship with us. Um, real quick this morning, uh, something that we, we started doing in the beginning um, of, of the church, and we just sort of continued um, for the last year, a little over a year now, is um, we give a time for people to share testimonies about what God's doing in their life. We do this periodically, um, not every Sunday, but just, just here and there. And so what I want to do this morning is if, if God's doing something in your life and you want to share it, uh, I would love for you to do that. It's good for us because it encourages us to hear what God's doing in your heart. It also helps connect us together. We know what's going on in your life. So if God's done something in your life, there's, there's a testimony, a story you'd like to share about what God's doing. I want to give you an opportunity right now just to share that. Um, and this is always the awkward moment, but anyway, Greg. Um, he's just amazing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my uh, mom called me, told me my dad was having some problems in his shoulders. So he went to the doctor. They took a couple of x-rays, um, and it turned back that he had bone cancer. So I talked to Brandon in my small group, and we prayed for two weeks. He went to the specialist last week. It's a benign tumor. There's no bone cancer. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's awesome. Yes. This morning, I decided not to come to church. I, I don't mean that. I did, not, I did not feel good. I didn't want to come. Didn't want to go through the hassle of getting ready. So I turned on the TV, and a church service was on, which I normally don't watch those. But this guy hit totally home with me this morning because he said, if I cannot pray for myself, I can pray for no one. And it showed me that my faith is not what people see me here. My faith is what is in here and what I talk to God about. And it just let me know no one can pray for you unless you alone pray first for yourself. Mm. Amen. All right. Now I I feel the pressure of, like, preaching as well as that other guy. So I don't. (laughs) Thank thank you, Miss Helen, for adding that on to my shoulders. Anybody else that wants to share something today? Anybody? 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 Going once? Uh, shut. Yeah, Kim. That's all right. Okay. That's always a scary thing to do. Um, and many of you know I've had a rough year. I've been sick this year. And um, I started a business right before I was diagnosed with an illness. And I can't tell you how this happened, but God provides because we got our taxes done. And I didn't really pay any attention to the information I sent to the accountant at first. And she sent it back and said, wow, you had a really good year. And I looked and I had moved my business from Statesboro to Brooklyn, which everybody said wouldn't work. And then I got sick and I went to part time. Um, And somehow I earned more this year than I did last year. So it's a miracle. That is awesome. That's good. All right, one more, one more. Anybody, anybody. Go on once. I know all of you love to speak in front of other people. Yes, Jamie. Okay, mine's just a break. I don't even like to hear it. Um, we started a church in 
signed up. So, <laughs> so we were like, okay, this will be good, you know, real intimate small group. And um, we ended up having five girls who don't even come to Connection come. Hmm. And God just showed up and blew us away. Hmm. And he is awesome. So we just want to praise him for That's that cool. and for our small group. Awesome. Amen. Well, we do serve an awesome, good God. Um, uh, real quick, before we get into the message, if you notice you had a note card and a pen in your seat today, um, that is for the message today. Listen, uh, there's some things that I'm probably going to talk about today that may stir questions in your mind. My prayer is that you don't have questions about um, what I'm actually talking about, but it may trigger questions in your mind that you might want to write down. If you want to write that question on the card, put your name and email on that. I'll try to email you this week. If it's, if I get a bunch of them, it might not be this way. It might be spread out just a little bit, but I'll email you an answer. If I don't know the answer, I will go to someone much smarter than myself and find an answer. So that's what that card is for. Um, if you want to write, write questions on it, don't write me any dirty notes or anything like that. But if you want to write, write down a question, we'll, we'll try to respond to you this week or next week um, with the answer, hopefully, to your question. You may just get an I don't know, but we'll do the best to try to answer that. Um, one thing I will encourage you to do today, today is a little different than what I normally do. Normally, um, as you know, if you've been here before, my messages are not really deep. I'm not a real deep. This message is, is sort of out of my comfort zone a little bit because it's, it's probably a little deeper than I normally speak um, because I'm not that smart. So it's a struggle for me to be able to do these types of messages. But I want to just encourage you to track with me if you can. If you can't, raise your hand and say, hey, dummy, I, do have, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't write that on the card, though. Um, but I do want to encourage you just to, just to follow with me and, um, and, and try to track with me the train of thought where we're going. I think if, if we can do that, we'll get to the end and uh, see something that's pretty cool. So um, what I want to do right now is if you have your Bibles, turn to John 5. John 5, we're going to look at 19 through 23. John 5, 19 through 23, it says this, Jesus gave them this answer. Now this is, the people here, they're, they're, uh, they're criticizing Jesus as usual. He's healed somebody on the Sabbath and they're all freaking out because he did a good thing on the Sabbath. So this is Jesus' response. It says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son, of, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. <clears throat> For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he please, is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, and listen to this, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as the, they honor the father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Well, God, we thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would bless it, God. I pray that you would just speak clearly to us today. What an overwhelming task of trying to communicate an unfathomable, unfathomable God to people, God. I, I just pray that your spirit would do that work today. God, I use this word as good seed in our hearts to grow incredible kingdom fruit in this community and in this world. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for being here with us now. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. I read this verse and specifically the part where it says the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. And I read that a few weeks ago and man, it got my wheels turning. Have you ever read something and it just jumped out at you and all of a sudden it was just had your wheels turning because I read it and I realized this, that Jesus is the one and, and don't listen, I'm not really like a hellfire and brimstone preacher. So when you hear judgment, everybody's already like, well, you're just going to damn me to hell. You know, I'm not here to condemn you to hell. I hope that by the end of the day, you'll look at judgment in a little bit different way. But what I read was that Jesus Christ, the one who came to offer us grace, the one who came because he so loved the world, the one who had everything and became nothing so that we could become something is the one who one day is going to judge us. And I thought about the, the, just the, the weirdness in that really. I mean, the weirdness it's just, is weirdness a word? I don't know. But anyway, I already told you I wasn't that smart. So, but we look at this and, and, and Jesus is the one who's coming, who will be here, who will, we will stand before and be judged. Now that's just a different line of thought because we always picture Jesus like in, as we do see in the paintings where he's like cuddled with a lamb, right? And he's all sweet and he's got the perfect hair. looks like it's conditioned every day. And, and we look at it, and that's our image of Christ. But one day there is going to be a little bit of a different, uh, a different scenario that plays out, I guess is what I would say. But what I want to talk to you about today is that we have before us the opportunity to enter into a win-win situation. Have you ever heard that saying? It's a win-win situation. We've all, you've heard people say that, right? And, and so we have the opportunity to enter into that with God and, and with life. And I want to talk to you about that today. You're going to have to track with me. But how many of you would ever say that you've, you've had one of those, a win-win situation where it didn't matter what you did, man, it was golden. There was no way you could screw it up. For instance, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, there was no inkling of doubt in your mind that the New Orleans Saints were going to win the Super Bowl, how many of you would have bet everything you had because it would have been a win-win situation? How many of you would have done that? Bet everything. Bet it on the... See, all, the rest of y'all are so religious. You're like, I'm not raising my hand in church to say that I would have gambled. The rest of you are just like, I'm just being honest and I would have done it. But see, this is how we rationalize that in our mind. It wasn't gambling because I knew we were going to win, right? Okay. But we, I mean, people would have done that. I mean, there's no way it would have been a win-win situation. We put everything on the line. Man, there's no, there's no doubt that we're going to win that. One example from my own life is, is my wife. It was a, a win-win situation. And it, that sounds all sweet, you know, all, yeah, it says all, but it, it was my wife because man, I got this beautiful girl and she was sweet and she loved God and she was so much better than me. I mean, I married up. It was so cool and awesome. And, and then I found out her daddy owned a restaurant and it was a win-win situation. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I was like 15 years old when we, we were, we had been dating for like 13 years at that point. And, and, and I'm, I'm there and, and Mr. Bruce told me, he said, listen, if you will, you'll cut my grass, I'll just let you eat at Snooky's. How about that? I was like, sounds good to me. You're going to lose on this deal, but it sounds good to me. So I start cutting the grass. I start doing stuff around the house, get to eat at Snooky's for free. And then, you know, I kind of quit cutting the grass and I kind of quit you know, doing things around the house. But the cool thing about it was I kept eating at Snooky's for free. And, and my biggest fear, my biggest fear is that what's going to happen is one day, if I ever, God forbid, did something that really like hurt Susan's feelings, that he's going to come out with this stack of tickets 
and be like, by the way, you owe me $52,491.10. You know, something like that. But it was a win-win situation. I got the best of both worlds, you know? And, and so we think about those things. And so when we think about God, we can think about it in the same way, that we have the opportunity for a win-win situation. But I want to take that and flip it just a little bit and change it just a little bit because we think about it as this. We think about it as a win-win, a W-I-N-W-I-N situation. But with God, it is a W-I-N-W-H-E-N situation. It is a win-win situation situation. It is that we win when we choose God. It is a we win when we decide that I'm going to give my life. As that last song said, I'm going to surrender my life to God. So we win when we give our hearts, we give our lives, we give everything we have, everything we are to God. And that's what I want to talk to you about. But I want to take us, I want us to look at where we came from, not like as individuals, but as, as people, um, where we are. And then I want to show you how we're going to end up. You know, when you're going through life or you're going through stuff, isn't it always good when you know that the outcome is going to be better than where you are now? And so what I want to encourage you with today is to take a look at where we, where we have been, where we are, and where we're going to end up as a people. Is everybody, everybody good so far? We're kind of following along. Everybody, some people staring at their shoes, wondering why they wore those shoes. Some of you just realize you have on a blue shoe and a black shoe, but it's okay. Nobody else will probably notice. Um, but, but just try to follow along with this. When, when we look at it, I want you to think about this. The wind has always, since the beginning of time, been hinged on two things. Two things, and it, 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 they rhyme. I made them rhyme so that you can remember them easily, not because I'm that cheesy, just because I think it'll help you to remember them easier. It, and, and that is, they were, they're based off of a voice and a choice, okay? A voice and a choice. Since the beginning of time, let's go all the way back to Genesis in chapter one and two. What were the, the, the first people, Adam and Eve, who, who caused all the, the trouble in the first place? What were they able to do? They were able to have what perfect fellowship with a perfect God, because there was no sin. They were able to hear God's voice. They were able to speak with him. He, he was in the garden there. He would come in and, and talk with them. He, that, that was what we were created for, right? We were created for God's pleasure. We were created for God's enjoyment. All of these things were, this is why God made us. Now, why he, did, he chose to, I don't know. There's some things that we're probably just not gonna figure out right now. I remember when I was in high school, I'm, I'm more of a literal thinker, kind of a, I, I like to plan things out logically. And I would sit there and I would try to figure out why, you know, do we exist? But not only why do we exist, how in the world do we exist? And so I would lay there in my bed and I'm like thinking so hard, just sweating, you know, because I'm trying to figure this out. It bothered me so bad. And I'm laying in bed and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, what in the world? How do we get here? And I would say, okay, well, let's say that the Big Bang Theory was true or this, this evolution theory is true. And so I'd go back and, and I'd start with where we are and I'd go, okay, we're here. And then, you know, there was, there was just some animals and then people came from monkeys and then all of this other stuff. And you trace it all the way back and you get to the end and what you look at is, is there was like swirling gases and matter and things. And then all of a sudden it's like, and you're right, you know, but then you, you begin to look at it and you start going, well, where did all that stuff come from? All that stuff that was swirling around, where did it come from? And then I would lay there and I'd say, okay, let's take the God case. Let's say that God created everything. And I would sit there and I'd go, all right, all right, all right. We got the world. We had nothing. And then, you know, God started speaking and things started happening. And then, so we ended up here. Oh gosh, but where did God come from? 
where did God come from? And Caleb is dying right now because he wants to come up here and finish this message for me, if you know Caleb. But, but here's the thing that we have to realize. There are some things we're just not meant to understand. That used to be a real stumbling block for me until one day it dawned on me that there's a reason I don't know. Because if you think about it, we are justified by faith. If I understand everything, there's no room for faith and there's no room for justification and righteousness in my life. And so there are things that we are not meant to understand. There are things that we can think about it all we want to. We can talk to the smartest people in the world, but there are things that are unexplainable. Is it not funny that in science, when people think they finally got it all figured out, something else happens and they're like, oh, well. They think they finally proved that God's not real, that this couldn't have happened. And they're like, oh. They'll say that the Bible's not true because this city really didn't exist. And they dig a little deeper and they find it. There's just things that we're not meant. Our little bitty brain cannot comprehend an immeasurable God. Can you, can, who would want to serve a God that you can understand anyway? He's not big enough. There are things that we don't understand. And why God made us, why God specifically made some of you, I don't, no, I'm just kidding. That, that was a joke. Don't not come back because that was a joke. But, but seriously, why did, I mean, sometimes there are things, but I do know this. I do know that we were created because God desires an incredible relationship with us. He desires to enjoy us. He, you know, there's nothing that I enjoy more than when I get home from work and I walk in and, and, and Susan's like, hey, yeah. hey, I'm like, hey. And then, and then, but the kids hear my voice and they're like, daddy's home, daddy's home. And they come running around there grabbing my legs. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm the best thing ever. It doesn't matter what anybody said to me at that point because these kids are grabbing my legs, hugging me, daddy's home. And then I realize it's because they want me to do something for them. And so, but how cool is that? And I thought about that in relationship with us and God. That's what God desires. He desires for us just to come to him out of our own free will that he gave us so that we could be in fellowship in him so that he could enjoy our presence. Does that not encourage you to know that God values you so much that he just wants to be in your presence? That he wants to enjoy your life? That he wants to take pleasure in who you are? The Bible actually says that God delights in his people. I don't know about you, but there are some days I would have to think God has a hard time delighting in me. But God delights in his people. And so Adam and Eve had this incredible ability that nothing else that was ever created had to hear the voice of God. And do you know that today we still have that same ability? It's still there. It is still there. God desires to speak to you. He doesn't just want to listen to you. He wants you to listen to him. And we have this awesome opportunity. And so many people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, I've been praying and praying and praying. I just don't know what to do with my life. I, I, I just, I keep praying and praying and praying. And I'm like, have you listened? And they get this look on their face like, but sometimes we just don't shut up long enough to hear what God would tell us, right? But God desires for us to listen. He desires for us to speak. But because, and listen, this is, we're kind of going to the next little phase here. But because God speaks, because God desires such an awesome, true love relationship, how many of us in here would say that we don't desire somebody to truly love us? I guarantee you, there's no, if, if you are, you're lying. Because there's something that is innate in us that makes us want to be loved and truly loved. And when we look at God, he is the same. He created us with that desire, that want. 
And so we come to this place where God, in order to have true love, there had to come a choice. Remember, because we're talking about the voice and the choice. So they had the ability to hear his voice. They had the ability for fellowship. They had the ability to be in relationship with God. But then comes the time when God, in order for it to be a true love relationship, he had to give them a choice. And when we read Genesis, what do we find? We find two trees in the middle of the garden, right? The tree of knowledge and the tree of good and evil. Because see, if we didn't have the choice of choosing God, then there's no possible way. There's no way it could have been real love. Perfect example. If I walk up to Dake, my seven-year-old, and I say, Dake, you either tell me that you love me or I am going to tear your behind up. That last part sounds familiar. But, or I'm going to tear your behind up, son. Tell me you love me. No, I want to tell me you love me. I want to tell. Okay, I love you, daddy. What good is that? What would that mean? Absolutely nothing, right? I want my kids, when they hear my voice, to come to me because they choose to come to me. And God is the same way. God gave us the choice. He gave us the ability to make choices so that we could have the ability to choose him. Is that not cool? That God loves us so much that he doesn't want to just program us just to wire us, put all the little green wires and the red wires together, you know, and then we just automatically go, God, I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you. No. He wants us to make a choice to love him. And I'll tell you this, when you get a glimpse of the love of God through Jesus Christ, you can't help but love him. You can't help but want to hear his voice. You can't help but want to run to your daddy's leg and hold him and say, thank you, God, because you've been so good to me. See, some of us don't really realize the state of depravity that we're really in. But when you hear God's voice and you respond to that voice and you make a choice for him, you begin to realize what all God's done for you. And see, here's Adam and Eve. They had the choice before them, but what did they do? Everybody, come on, stay with me. What did they do? They chose their own way, right? And then there was a fall. But you know what's awesome about God? And some of you here today really need to hear this, that God doesn't give up on anybody. God doesn't give up on, he didn't abort the plan. He didn't give up. He didn't say, oh, well, they screwed up. He could have. I would have. I'd have been like, mock. Just start over. Start from scratch, clean slate. Here we go. Let's draw this thing up again. Let's connect the green wire to the green wire, the red wire to the red wire. And then they'll just say, I love you. But he did, that didn't happen. God comes to the place where he realized, I mean, God knew. He knew the plan all along. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was inside of us. But he comes to this place where he gets to, and, and Adam and Eve sin. They fall short of the glory of God. They choose their own way. They, they, they screw everything up. And in the middle of hell coming to earth, if you read in Genesis chapter 3, you will find that the first animal sacrifice ever created, ever, ever done, was made in Genesis chapter 3. It says that in order to cover the shame of Adam and Eve, because now they realize they're naked, right? And in order to cover that, he kills an animal. There's some lamb, there's some animal out there just munching on some leaves. And God comes on, he takes the skin, makes clothing for them, clothes them, and it covers their shame and their guilt. Well, what had to happen in order for their shame and their guilt to be covered? An innocent animal had to die. And I would say this, and I believe this with all my heart, that that was the first blood sacrifice. That was the first animal sacrifice that took place in the Bible. And what I want you to see is that that never stopped. 
There was always a constant uh, voice in the lives of people. Uh, Noah had a voice. He had a choice. He didn't have to build a boat when he never even seen rain, but he chose to follow the voice of God. He made a choice. Abraham made a choice to follow God. Moses made a choice to follow God. It goes all the way through until you get to Jesus. And through all of that, they were making animal sacrifices. God comes to Abraham and makes a covenant. He comes to Moses, gives them the law. And through all of it, they're making these animal sacrifices. I mean, it would be so incredible. I mean, animal after animal after animal dying to cover the sin, the the shame, the guilt of humankind. Continually. Just kill after kill after kill. Leviticus uh, 17, 11 says this. It, it, God would not let the Israelites drink the blood or eat the blood of an animal because he said that in the blood of an animal is the life. And he said, I've given you this blood to make atonement for your sin. And so it goes all the way through. Now think about this. When we get to the New Testament, everybody hang, hang with me here because we get to the New Testament and what happens? What happens? John the Baptist begins to go and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, repent for the kingdom of God. Repent because you're all wicked. Repent because you're not living for God. And he takes them and he's baptizing people left and right, left and right, left and right. They're all repenting. And then Jesus comes walking along one day. And what did John the Baptist say? Anybody remember? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist recognized him as the one, the, that final sacrifice, that final lamb, that final perfected um, being, that final sacrifice that was going to take away the sin of the world. And so we follow that all the way to Jesus Christ, all the way to the cross. And Jesus gave us, as Romans says, a righteousness apart from the law. See, this is what the Bible tells us, is that, that we in and of ourselves are incapable of righteousness, so Jesus had to die. If it was possible for us to achieve righteousness on our own, he could have lived. He, he wouldn't have had to die. But we, could, we can't. How many of you have ever tried to do anything for a period of time, and you, you just, it is beyond you? Like you make up your mind, I'm going to get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm going to go run five miles every day. Then I'll come back, read my Bible for 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and then I'm going to go and then I'll go start my day. And how long does that last? Till the alarm clock goes off like the first morning. Maybe you do it one day and the next day you're like, no way, not me. I'll just have to be, stay kind of chubby. I'm not doing that. And so we do that. We're weak, man. Our spirit is willing. Our spirit wants to be fit, looking like, you know, Brad Pitt or something, you know. But then our flesh is so weak. Our flesh is so weak. And so we we make choices, but we can't stick to them. And so God says, listen, you can't do this on your own. So I'm going to come to you and I'm going to do this for you. So the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ comes. He dies on a cross for us, sheds the innocent blood. And your life was in that blood. Does that make sense? It was the life blood all the way from Leviticus 17, 11. Are you, I mean, we're tracking, we're going to listen, we're going to go from Genesis one to Revelation 21 today. So you get like a little synopsis of the whole thing, but the life blood, our life was in that blood that he shed on that cross. 
I mean, come on, there's hundreds of pages that tell us this is going to happen. And can you imagine what the creation, what the heavens were like the day that Christ went to the cross? On one hand, there's the sorrow that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to have to die. But on the other hand, they know in three days that he's going to rise from the dead and he's going to live again. And because of that, we all have the promise of eternal life. Oh, that is incredible. And see, listen, I believe you, if you know me, if you've heard me speak more than three, four times, you know that I believe in abundant life right now. I believe God died to give us abundant life right now. But I just want to tell you that there are times in life when you just need to know that regardless of what's going on right here, right now, in the end, I win. Right? That it is a win-win situation, that there is no doubt about it. It is more sure than betting on the Super Bowl after the Super Bowl has been played. That if you are in Christ Jesus, then you will win. And we have this awesome shedding of blood. And as, as, true, as God is true to his word, listen to me. Jesus Christ came. He humbled himself. Very God of God. He humbled himself and he died on a cross. But the word of God says that he will exalt the humble. And God exalted him and raised him at his right hand. And now we're back to John 5. He says, listen, so that everybody will honor the son the same as they honor the father. Then what you're going to see is that I'm going to be the one to judge. Because what does, what does the Bible tell us? That at one day, one day, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he is our savior. And I want to tell you this, here is our choice today. The voice of God has been clear throughout history. But here is our choice today. Are we going to bow on that day? Are we going to bow under grace? Or are we going to bow under guilt? That's our choice. The voice of God is very clear. Make no mistake about it, we will bow. But we have the choice of bowing under grace or under guilt. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us very clearly that all men will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All men. That means that you and I, those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And all men. From the first wicked person who never, never cho- chose God to the last will stand before Christ on a day of judgment. But the choice that we have today is do I want to bow? Do I want to stand there covered in the blood of Jesus Christ? I heard somebody say this last weekend and I thought it was so awesome. You know, the only thing that God can't see through is the blood of Jesus. I never heard it. I, that is so cool. That God can't see through the blood of Christ. When we are covered in the blood of Christ, that is just like on the first path, God passes over the sin of our life. Now here's the thing. We have the choice of bowing in grace or in guilt. It is our choice. I, for one, prefer to make the first roll call. I want to be one who goes and bows under grace because I know me. And I think I'd probably be the first one chunked into that lake of fire that we all hear about. I mean, I think it'd be like, oh, let's get out of the way. Here he comes. And so we got to see this, people, that we have the choice of of bowing under grace or under guilt. And I just want to give you a little synopsis real quick. And just just hang in there real quick because we're going to get to it. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 42 through 54. 
It's a long story. I don't like to read this long in the middle of a message, but it's important. 42 through 54 in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. This is talking about the resurrection. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in wickedness. Weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spirit did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will become true, that death has been swallowed up in victory. Now listen. That's a lot of words, but I wanted to read it to you so that if you don't agree with what I say, you can go back and read it for yourself and study. But let me kind of give you the synopsis of this verse, okay? One day, and I'm telling you as sure as I am standing here today, one day there is going to be a trumpet from heaven. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those who are, are, are still living are going to come up behind them. And, and those who are in Jesus Christ are going to rise and meet him in the air. Now, what is interesting about this, because it's about a voice and a choice, right? What is interesting about this is that in Revelation 1.10, John, the apostle, is there. And he's in the spirit. And he hears a voice. And it is amazing to me because he said, I heard a voice as of a trumpet. I believe this with all my heart, that there is going to be a day that the voice of Christ shouts out so loud that those who know him are going to hear it. And our ears are going to be like the ears of a dog when they hear something, they perk up. And we're going to hear this familiar voice. Remember in the gospel of John, he said, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. We're going to know his voice. Those of us who are in Christ are going to know his voice. And we're going to go and we're going to join him in heaven. And then we're going to stand before the mercy seat of judgment. The key to that is don't look at the last word. Look at the first word. It's the mercy seat. The Bible already told us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? We're going to go, we're going to join Jesus in the air and we're going to go and stand before him and he is going to make judgment on everything is going to be laid before him. We're going to know, we're going to see, we're going to see all the things that weren't right. But it's a win-win situation. So this is what's going to happen. The Bible tells us that if we've built on the foundation of Christ with anything that's not of God, that's not gold, silver, costly stones, that if we built with hay, wood, straw, all our worthless deeds, all the things we did that weren't really of Christ, of God, then those things are going to be burnt up in the fire. And this is Paul telling us this in 1 Corinthians 3. But if we built things that actually are worthy, the silver, gold, precious stones, those are going to remain. 
They're going to stay. They're going to last. And it says we will escape, but is one escaping through the flames. I thought about that. Y'all listen now. This, this is cool. I thought about that. What a perfect image of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That they're there and they're bound and they come to a place where they escape. They go through this fiery furnace as we read about in the book of Daniel. And they come out on the other side and the only thing that's burnt on them is the ropes that were binding their arms together. We're going to come through the mercy seat of God and we're going to pass through the flames of God. But the thing that's going to be burnt up is all the junk of your life so that you're going to take the imperishable things of God for the perishable things of God. Perishable means likely to go bad or spoil. How many of you say you kind of fit that category? I can in and of myself, I'm kind of likely to go bad or spoil if I'm not careful. But God says, I'm basically going to take a branding iron and I'm going to take the image of Christ and I'm going to stick you with it. And you're going to look so much like him. That's what this word's saying is we're going to become just like Jesus in the sense of perfection. It's going to be branded to us. It's going to be ironed on. When I was a kid, we had those little iron on patches. You know, we put on our t-shirt. They last like one time through the washing machine, but we put them on there. We're going to be clothed. As the Bible says, we're going to trade the corruptible in for the incorruptible, that, that perishable nature for the imperishable nature of Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to pass through the flames. The other day, we, um, we're building a fire. I love fire. Anybody just love fires in here? I just love fire. I don't know why. I just like to watch it. it kind of, you know, I can go to that zone of not thinking about anything. I'm just sitting there. I'm just kind of watching the flames. And, and I was building a fire. And, and every time I, the only thing I hate about it is every time I stick my arm in there to put another log on the fire, I come out and it smells all like smoke. But I was talking with Dave. I was like, Dave, this is kind of like, we're reading Daniel and reading through um, um, the, the fiery furnace. And I told him, I was like, isn't it cool that they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke? I can't even put my arm in the fireplace without coming out smelling like smoke. They went through a fire so strong and so hot that the people who put them in it actually burned up. But the cool thing about it was this, that when the people looked into the furnace, they saw the three men, but with them was a fourth. And they said, he looks like one of the gods. He looks like the son of God. He looks like, uh, they're, they're, what? who is that? Let me tell you who that was. That was Jesus Christ. And he's going to walk with you through the fire. And when you come out, you are going to be clothed with his image. You're going to look like him. You will have traded in the imperishable, the crap, the junk. You're going to win when you choose Christ. You'll trade in all that mess, all the stuff here for imperishables. And we're going to have a party. We're going to be throwing down up there with Jesus and we're going to be there. But see, here's, here's the thing that will trip us up. Here's the thing that, that we don't like to talk about. If you look over in Revelation, everybody turn to the back of Revelation chapter 20. We're coming to the end. If you can hang in just a few more minutes. There's a thing called the great white throne judgment. Let me tell you, make the first roll call. When the trumpet sounds, when the voice of Christ is declared over the earth, know the voice, okay? And, and people don't like to talk about this because we don't need to be about judgment. And we don't because it says that Jesus judges, not me. But can I love you enough today to tell you the truth? Can I love you enough today to tell you what is going to happen? Matter of fact, is going to happen? That see, there's going to be a time when everybody else comes other than those who are in Christ and stands before God. 
before Jesus. And there's going to be a judgment. And what it says is that the the book of life is opened up and those who aren't in it, they're gone. There's no other chance. That's it. It's the lake of fire. There was a man in Matthew 7, or Jesus tells a story of of people in Matthew 7, where he says, listen, some of you are going to stand before me on that day, that judgment day. And some of you are going to stand before me that day. And uh, you're going to say, didn't I prophesy in you? Did I cast out demons in you? And he's going to say, get away from me because I don't know you. You know how he's going to know that? It's because we didn't hear the voice when the trumpet sounded the first time. Because we missed it. I want to challenge, I want to scare you. I just want to challenge you. If you don't know his voice, then get to know him. Don't get to know about him. Get to know him. Get to know his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace. Get to know his voice. Take time to listen and hear what he has to say to you. Because on this day, it's, it's that last day. And here's the cool thing about it. When God gave us choice, we screwed it up. But the good thing is God didn't give up on his plan. Through Christ, he gave us a way to be redeemed by choosing him. And here's what's cool about it is that that final judgment, evil will be eradicated. Everything that, that is bad, that is not good will be gone. And then listen to this in, verse, in chapter 21 of Revelation. And we're going to finish here. It says in 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now listen to this. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Does that sound familiar? Does that not sound like Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to you? Listen, there are 66 books in the Bible. There were over 40 people who wrote books in the Bible. Hundreds of pages from Genesis to Revelation chapter 22, the final chapter. Do you really think it was a coincidence, a coincidence that God's perfect plan of redemption went from the first two chapters of the Bible and they're culminating in the next to the last chapter of the Bible? God's plan is going to happen. Our plans may get frustrated. They may not work out. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you will win when you follow him because his plan is going to be done. God's heart is for us to be in a perfect relationship, in a perfect place. And one day that is going to happen. That is what it's telling us in the book of Revelation chapter 21. Listen to this. How awesome is this? It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, listen, I, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to him who is thirsty. I will come to give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He said, I am the beginning and I am the end. And his plan is going to be done. His heart is going to happen. And we have the choice, the awesome choice of securing our future. 
Listen, sometimes life is going to throw you a curveball. But I believe this with all my heart. If you know how it ends up, if you know how the story ends, does it not help you get through those times when things aren't seeming to work out the way you thought they were going to go? Does it not help you to get through those times to know that in the end, I'm going to win? God is going to establish a place with me where he and I are having a perfect conversation where he and I, I have traded in all of this perishable crap for all of this good stuff. The image of Christ has been placed on me. I have been clothed new in Jesus. And we get to take part in that. See, this is, this is the thing. I believe when you start getting a hold of this, the Bible says that when we come and we stand before Christ's mercy seat, that, that he's going to reward us and we'll get these, these crowns. I hope they're like really cool crowns. I don't want it to be like a Burger King crown, but I hope it's a really cool crown. And we're going to be rewarded for the good things we've done. But here's the really awesome thing. We're going to be so humbled by the grace of God and by his mighty hand in our life and by his saving power that we're going to take the crown and we're going to throw it back at his feet. Because he's that awesome. Why don't we live that way now? Why don't we live in a place of realizing the awesome and amazing things that God has done for us? That God has done for us. And we take our crowns, these petty little things, these self-achievements that we think actually matter and put them at the feet of Christ and serve him because I'm telling you right now, it is your best bet. The best thing you can do is leverage your entire life upon Jesus Christ. It's the safest thing you can do because you will win when you live for God. Well, let's, let's just stand up and we'll pray.